Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. What is up, family? I could not be more excited today to talk about one of my favorite topics in the world, relationships. We're starting this new series, and and while it may, may be branded around marriages, the reality is that the principles that we're going to talk about will be impactful in every one of your relationships. For those of you who are dating, like this is you're you're getting a head start. You're getting like the pre-work ahead of the real test. And I just I hope you stick around. I hope you see these things as valuable to you. And these principles will be something that you can build your future relationships on. But for those of you who are married, we want to we want to tighten the knot. We want that to be even stronger, even closer, because we honestly believe that as the home is healthy, as a family is healthy, as a marriage is healthy, that spills over and changes the world around us. It changes our communities. It changes our workplaces. It changes so many things. So we are diving in over the next couple of weeks to learn how we can tighten the knot in our relationships and be even stronger than we've been before. You see, if, if we're honest with each other, I believe like there's a, a relationship crisis in the world today. That everywhere we look, we, we see marriages that are failing consistency. There's this, this loss of interest. My generation, the millennials, are getting married at a lower rate than any other generation in history. The, the Pew Research Institute discovered that 56% of my generation are still not married. And most of them are not interested in it because nearly that same percentage of of marriages, they don't work. And so in their mind, it's not worth the risk. In their mind, they, they say, what's the point? I'd rather pretend like we're married, live like we're married, do things as if we were married, but not have the contract that seems to cause all this trouble. So we'll just be in these long term relationships and never really get married And we just think that that's going to be okay, and it'll work out fine. And next week, I'll talk to you about the understanding between the contract and the covenant and and how important that is in in our minds and in our relationships. But that's for next week. But the reality is there's this crisis in our relationships. But there's this overarching truth that as we begin this journey that I want you to filter all of this through. I want you to understand that while there is a crisis in relationships around us, and maybe you're, you're, you know, the outside of that, you have a really incredible relationship and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Everybody's good. They're not. We're not. I can tell you as pastors, we travel through so many situations with people where they're not okay. And so we have an opportunity together to, to be able to, to pour into each other in this truth is what will help us understand how we can take those steps. And you'll see it here on the screen, that in order to have what few people have, we must be willing to do what few people do. In order to have what few people have, if more than 50% of marriages are failing, the ones that are healthy and thriving, that's the few. That's the few. So in order to have what few people have, we have to do what few people 
do. If you want to have a, a marriage that is unique and healthy, a marriage that is filled with trust and transparency, a marriage that can weather every storm and believe the best, even in the worst, it requires us to take some steps. But it's possible. Your marriage, maybe it's in a, in a tough season, in a, in a hard stretch. It's possible for you to have a healthy, powerful, influential marriage in the people around you. I believe that God can do that. But I believe it starts with us understanding the difference between our intentions and our expectations. You see, almost every relationship for guys, it begins with a really awkward conversation with a dad where the question comes across the table, comes across the living room, comes across the desk. What are your intentions with my daughter? And I know for me, the, the first time that I asked my now father-in-law to, to marry Lauren, he said, no. And listen, I don't blame him. I had a lot of stuff that I was trying to figure out in my life. And, and I was a bit of a hot mess. Okay. It's, it's, so I, I totally get that. The second time that I asked him, he said yes, but there was a shotgun sitting on the table in between us. And he said, just, I just want to let you know, this preacher collar will come off if you hurt my daughter. Again, understanding. Now, now he loves me. Now, now he's like, when he wants me to do something, I don't necessarily, I'm trying to figure out if I want to do it. He's like, you know, I only had daughters and you're my son now. You, you should, let's do this together, right? So we've, we've got an incredible, incredible relationship. But could you imagine responding to that question, sitting across the table and, and someone asking you, what's your intentions with my daughter? And your response is, oh, you know, it'll, it'll be good for a year or two, but eventually I'll stop seeing her as the best thing that's ever happened to me. Eventually, you know, we'll, we'll get on each other's nerves and at some point we'll put the kids' school and the kids' sports above our connection. You know, honestly, as we get into it, We'll start to use like sex as a weapon and you get it when it's good behavior and, and you don't when you do something that gets on my nerves. Well, you know, honestly, sir, there's a good shot. We're not going to make it. Like you, you couldn't imagine answering the question that way. Who would ever answer it? But isn't that the reality of so many relationships we see? Isn't that the picture of the marriages within our culture and within our community. Isn't that what we see time and time again? Somehow what we intended to do, what we intended to be, what we intended to accomplish doesn't quite look like our actions. And so here's the, here's the truth. If you want what few people have, you need to close the gap between your intentions and your actions. Close the gap between what you intended to do, what you intended to be, what you intended your relationship to look like, to close the gap between those intentions and those actions. But to start this journey, we have to understand that our actions bear fruit. We have to understand that just like the fruits of the spirit we talked about a couple weeks ago, the fruit of our relationship is a real thing as well. And those fruits are based on the seeds are we planning? Last Sunday, Dr. Tanya used a portion of this verse, and, and it just fits so perfectly because I knew I was going to be using it this week. But Galatians 6, starting at verse 7, says this, God will never be mocked, for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. Just pause there for a second. What you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. 
what you plant, what you put into it, what you expect, what you intend, what you focus, what you drive, what you, you understand what I'm saying? Like what you put into it, what you plant is what you will get out. Verse eight says the harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. Well, I don't like what I'm getting out of this relationship. Well, then what did you plant in it? If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of a spirit life, you will reap beautiful fruits that grow from everlasting life of the spirit. And don't allow yourself to be weary in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. He says, don't give up in planting good seed. The challenge for those of us in, in our relationships that are not what we hope for, we have to ask ourselves, what seeds have I been planting? What have I been putting in? Not, not just the seeds that have been planted today, but the seeds that have been planted over years. You see, in, in the health world, they understand this, and, and the way that they describe it is that whatever's currently like a, a messed up or a dysfunction or a disease or, or something that's happening in your body today is actually based on what you planted into your body eight to 10 years ago. We assume that everything is this immediate thing. You're like, well, I, I ate a salad today instead of a burger, so my cholesterol should be 50 points lower. And it's like, boo-boo, you've been living off of Twinkies and in and out for the last 10 years. One salad can't fix that. One salad isn't gonna solve it. And the same thing with our relationships. The fruit that you have now is not a result of what you did yesterday. It's the result of the fruit and the seeds that have been growing on the surface for a long time. And in order to begin to bear the fruit that we want, it requires consistent, not growing weary, consistent planting of good seeds. Consistent planting of healthy seeds now, understanding that those seeds aren't going to bear fruit immediately. They need time. Well, my wife wanted me to start doing this, and I did it, and nothing is better. It's like, bro, it, it takes time. We've planted unhealthy seeds for so long, and we're reaping an unhealthy harvest. You can't plant one good seed and expect tomorrow for it to all be better. It takes consistent time, allowing that healthiness to grow within the soil, and then the fruit will begin to bear. But we can't grow weary in planting the consistent, healthy seeds in our life. You see, what's interesting is, as I believe we understand the principle, you know, you reap what you sow. Like, that's pretty common sense. But here's the truth that many of you miss. Yeah, you do reap what you sow, but you also reap where you sow. It isn't just what you sow, it's where you sow. You see, if you invest all of your time, all of your energy, all of your passion somewhere outside of your relationship with your spouse, where do you think that harvest is going to show up? Like if you give all of your energy, your best energy to your job, your best energy to your hobbies, your best energy to your kid's sports schedule. Let that hang there for a second. The best energy for handling the drama in your extended family. Why do you think it's a surprise to you that all of a sudden you don't have anything left to give your marriage? You've been investing your best seeds in places that aren't your home. 
You've been investing your best energy, your best passion, your best everything that you have in all of these other areas. And then when you get home, it's like, oh, hey, you can have what's left. And then we're confused why our relationships have this struggle. And look, maybe you're different than I am. Look, you're superhuman. You're stronger than I am. You have an endless supply of energy. You can balance 50 events in one week and, and you can handle it and you can still have an incredible marriage. If that's you, kudos, props to you. But for me, I understand that I am a limited person. I, I only have so much to give. And so do you know what I do? I commit, if there's a field that I'm gonna give my best seed to, that field is gonna be the one that Lauren is in. I'm going to give the very best that I have to the most important field. And then all the rest of the fields can have whatever's left. The church and, and hobbies and all of these other things outside of it can get whatever seed is left, but I'm gonna plant the best seed that I have in the field that should be the most important. And I just wonder what would happen in your relationship if you started to pivot and shift some of those things. You're giving your best seed to your job. You're giving your best seed to your kids. And you, your kids are amazing. But if your kids get your best seed and your husband gets the last of it, the harvest that's going to come is a result of where you're planting your seed. It's not just what you're planting but where you're planting. You see that so many people, right, we hear this all the time. Well, well, we just ran out of love. We just, we just ran out of love and, and that's why we gave up. And, but that's, that's like getting rid of your vehicle because it ran out of gas. Well, it just stopped working on me. Did you put any gas in it? No, it's just broken. What? No, it's not. You didn't put any gas in it. It's the same thing in our relationships. If we're not fueling it, if we're not feeding it, to look at it and go, well, it's just not working. It's just broken. We just ran out of love. What? I'm sorry. That's not a valid excuse. That's not a valid reason. You see, Lauren and I, we're, we're coming up on 15 years married, 18 years together. And, and I'll be honest, I intended to do a lot of things as a husband, I had a lot of goals and, and hope, things that I hope for to be to her as a husband. And some of those I've been able to do and others I have a long way to go. And, and that's just part of the process. But something interesting happens in all of our relationships if we're not careful. You see, our relationships naturally drift from to drift towards expectations instead of our intentions. It shifts from. You know, I intend to be this for my spouse to, I expect, expect my spouse to be something for me. And there's a clear line in the sand when that starts to shift where the focus isn't on how I can get better, but on how you're not meeting my need. All of a sudden it starts to shift. We, we move from what I hope to be and do for you to what I wish you would be for me and, and what you're not doing and, and somewhere on this journey where we shift from pursuing our spouse and, and trying to meet their needs. And we shift to this mindset where we're expecting them to fill all of our needs, but not having anything left in the tank to actually give to one another. It shifts from intentions to expectations. Just think about it. Think about what you did to pursue your spouse. 
Think about the money you spent, the hours you spent, the, the amount of time you spent picking out the right outfit. And now compare that to what you do in your relationship now to pursue your spouse. We allow our expectations to override our intentions. And our spouse ends up becoming the target of our frustration rather than the affection of our heart. I just, just pause there for a minute. Ask yourself that. Is my spouse the target of my frustration? Or is he or is she still the affection of my heart? And if you're leading with, they, they just frustrate me always. And you've lost that, that heart for them, that affection, that passion, that love that drew you together. There's a good chance that your, your mindset has shifted from your intentions to your expectations on them. You see, guys, for some of you, your wife is asking you to be more vulnerable to be more honest, to be more transparent, for, for more communication. And, and guys, your, your response is, well, I'm still here. I didn't leave her. But here's the truth. You may not have left her, but you have forsaken her. You may not have left her physically, but emotionally and mentally, you've forsaken her. The truth is you can be present physically, and absent emotionally. This is what happens so much in our relationships. We see people staying together just for the kids. We, we see people just trying to stay together to, to keep appearances up, but you're sleeping in separate bedrooms and you're, you're fighting constantly. And, and maybe it's gotten even worse than that. You're not fighting at all. You're just pretending like you, you don't exist. Emotionally, you're completely absent from one another, but physically you're present. We're still together, quote unquote. You're missing something. You see, you were created to be in relationship. When, when God created the world and, and all that was in it, when, when he created this perfect paradise, this garden of Eden, this place where everything was all right, do you know what the one thing in all of the perfection that he built, do you know what the one thing he said was not good? He said, it's not good that man be alone. And all of the perfection around, no sin, no, no, just none of this brokenness, this beautiful paradise. God looks at man sitting there. He looks at Adam and he goes, bro, you, you need somebody. You need somebody else. We were wired and created. Solomon, uh, King David's son, said it this way in Ecclesiastes 4. He says, hey, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now, I just want to own, own something with you just really quickly, because some of you are sitting there and you're like, Danny, you're, you're missing something here. Look, for some of you, there's been real reasons why your relationship is broken. 
There's real reasons. There's, there's been true heartbreak. There's been true deceit. There's been true lies. There's been true actions on the part of a spouse who has done something to break the relationship. I'm not minimizing any of those things, but I am here to tell you that I believe that God can still bring healing to even the worst of situations. I believe that God can still bring healing. And so I am not minimizing any of the real trauma or the the real things that you're navigating in your relationship. But I would say for a lot of marriages that are struggling, it isn't based on some major breach of trust. It's just this consistent separation, this consistent lack of pursuit, this consistent willingness to connect in the way. Listen, family, too many of you are falling alone while being surrounded by people who would love to help. Too many times we choose to isolate ourselves. We choose to take this battle on ourselves. We, we isolate ourselves in a place and the enemy has free reign in our minds and free reign in our hearts and free reign to, to mess with our perspective of what's happening. And Solomon says, don't fall alone because you'll be in real trouble. If nothing else, if nothing else, understand that you have a church family who genuinely loves you and genuinely wants to come alongside and help you. I have to believe that there's someone in your circle of influence that genuinely cares about you and genuinely wants you to to be healthy and whole, who can help you break this, this, there's an epidemic in our, in our culture and it's a loneliness. It's this feeling that I am all on my own, that no one cares, no one can see, no one can feel, no one can understand. And the enemy is having a field day in your life because of this loneliness. Solomon says, hey, two is better than one. You gotta lock arms with somebody. You gotta fight back to back against the, the attacks of the enemy. And I like to think about it this way, that triple braided cord that Solomon talks about, it's a picture of our relationship where you and your spouse are fighting for each other with Jesus at the center. That triple braided cord is is you and your spouse and Jesus going to war together against the culture that says marriage doesn't work anymore. You don't need it. You can do this thing on your own. You can pretend to be married. You can do all the other marriage people stuff, but you don't have to actually... No, 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 no. You're missing. Listen, the, the, the Danny Bible translation, the DBT says it this way. A relationship founded on Jesus and focused on fighting for trust rather than surrendering to assumption is not easily broken. Don't miss this. A relationship that is founded on Jesus. Look, those of you who you're still trying to figure out this Jesus thing and this journey with with him and what that all looks like, you can take some of these principles that we're going to talk about and it genuinely will help your relationship. It will make a difference. I promise you, it will actually make a a significant difference. But if you want to see the full impact, you want to see the full effect, found your relationship on Jesus. So a relationship that's founded on Jesus, that's focused on fighting for trust, rather than surrendering to assumptions, is not easily broken. 
I believe that one of the greatest enemies of a healthy relationship is assumption. We spend so much time just assuming things about the other person. And many times, if we're not careful, we we get into assuming the worst, the worst case scenario. Lauren and I, we we joke about this all the time. But like if I'm 10 minutes late from the gym or 10 minutes late from a meeting, I'm getting that text of, you know, you you good? Is everything did a meteorite blow your truck up? Like, I'm just trying to make sure I'm I'm making sure. And she's gotten incredible. It's much, much better. But there was a stretch there. I was like. Baby, I have about 18 you goods in the last seven days. Like, I'm good, I promise you. But the point is that sometimes we surrender in our relationship to assumptions before we're willing to become uncomfortable or, or fight for trust. And in your relationship, sometimes you assume that they don't want to talk about it. You assume that, that they missed your hint on purpose. I, I made it really clear I felt about this and he just ignored it. I'm just telling you, he missed it. We, we just can't. We're not good. Men are not good at the hints. We just don't catch them. It wasn't intentional. We, we assume that they don't care. We assume that if it, if it mattered to them, they would say something. We assume that their actions, don't miss this. We assume that their actions are a clear indication of their heart. Sometimes their actions are just out of a bad habit. Sometimes their actions are out of a lack of perspective. Sometimes their habit is just, it's just a habit. It's just an action. And if we assume the worst about each other, rather than getting uncomfortable to have the conversation, hey, babe, do you know that when you do this, it actually makes me feel this? What? I had no idea. We assume that So many things are done intentionally to hurt or intentionally to prove a point. And we allow and we surrender our relationship to assumptions rather than actually fighting for trust with one another. You see, our intentions at the altar were to believe the best. But in our fatigue, we surrendered to assuming the worst about the person we committed to give our entire life to. How does that happen? How do we go from this intention of we're we're in this forever to assuming that every little thing that is done is meant to hurt us? There's a shift. You see, our assumptions lead to expectations that turn our focus from our intentions. Our assumptions lead to expectations that turn our attention from our intentions. We begin to point fingers and assign blame rather than recognizing within ourselves what things have shifted. We shift from just assuming the worst to expecting it. We expect things to go wrong. We start to expect the relationship to get better, but we don't take any steps to actually lead it that way. We expect healthy fruit, even though we're planting toxic seeds. We expect a different harvest, even though we're planting unhealthy seeds. We expect a harvest in our marriage when there's no seeds in the soil. All of your seeds are planted everywhere else, not in your marriage, but you're expecting a harvest to come out of the ground that doesn't have anything planted in it. 
Like this is so important. We expect him to see our needs and fill it. We expect her to serve and respect us even though we don't give it. And it becomes far easier to point the finger than recognize the part that we play in the chaos. But it didn't start this way. It started with a vow. It started with us standing before somebody and making a promise to live together in holy matrimony, to love her, to comfort her, to honor and keep her in sickness and in health, in sorrow and in joy, to have and to hold from this day forward as long as you both shall live. My challenge to you as we get ready to pray is simple. Reevaluate your intentions. Reevaluate. What you, if someone were to ask you today, what are your intentions in this marriage? How would you answer that question? How would it be different now than when you first got married? What are your intentions in this relationship? Listen, just for a week, just for this week, drop the expectations. This is about you. What do you genuinely want out of your marriage? And what are you willing to do about it? Well, Danny, I no, 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 no. Reevaluate your intentions. Where is your heart? What is going on in your life? What's happening in your, your perspective, your view? Are, are you filtering everything in your marriage through assumptions and expectations? When's the last time you reevaluated your intentions for your spouse? When's the last time you reevaluated your intentions for your marriage? Take some time to do that. And your challenge today is simple. Before I blame you, I have to be honest about me. Today, I will be intentional in the way that I, and you fill in that blank. Maybe for some of you, it's, I'll be intentional in the way that I fight for trust. I'll be intentional in the way that I believe for the best. I will, I'll be intentional in the way that I commit to being honest, to, to pull down my walls, to trust your motives, to, to pursue you before I pursue anything else. I, I am going to be more intentional in the way that I do blank. And just at the beginning of this series, Allow it to start with you. Because when we spend so much energy on what they're not doing, we miss out on, on the intentionality and the health that needs to be found in us. But when you have two people who are, are looking at themselves and their focus is, what are, what are my intentions? What what am I going to believe the best in you? What am I going to do to pursue you? What am I going to do to plant healthy seeds in the soil of our relationship? When two people get on that same page, the harvest is beautiful. The fruit are healthy. But it doesn't start by going, well, when he does it, then I will. When she does it, then I will. No, no, no. It starts with you right where you are saying, before I blame you, I have to be honest about me. Today, I will be intentional about the way I'm intending to love you. Let's pray. Jesus, 
I, I man, I, I just genuinely believe that this is such an important conversation. And I know in, in so many of the marriage counseling conversations that we had and so many things, it's so easy for the focus and, and the energy to be pointed at, at the other person. Well, if they would do, and if she would do, if he would do, and they don't, and Jesus, would you just give us the courage in this moment to stop pointing the fingers and to just evaluate our hearts? Jesus, would you help us? Would you open our eyes to see the areas where we can get better about the seeds that we're planting? Would you open our eyes to see the way that we can be more intentional in the way that we, we believe the best, that we, we call out the best, that we trust, we love, we share, we all of these things. Jesus, would you just help us to recognize within our own selves what we can do better? And to the best of our ability, we're going to give all that we have and we would trust that you will handle the rest, that you are the God of the harvest, that you are the God who waters the seeds that we plant. So Jesus, I pray in this these next few days, that as we evaluate ourselves, that we would find hope and peace and anticipation and expectation for the health of our relationship. That you would just move in a powerful way. Because Jesus, as our marriages are whole, our families begin to feel that. And as our families begin to feel that, our community begins to feel that. As our community begins to feel that, a city is changed. So Jesus, we pray that you start with us right here, right now. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.